1: One of the most beautiful love stories ever written, and it's found in Scripture. We'll take a look at the romance of redemption. Coming up next, right here on Truth For Today. The love story in and of itself is a beautiful love story, but the spiritual ramifications, the spiritual love story found within the illustration, even more beautiful, even more intimate. Hi there, and welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. We begin a look at the book of Ruth, small little book, one of only two named after women. But it is a redemption story, a romance story that is beyond anything we could ever imagine. Please join us. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Only two books in the Bible named after women,
2: Ruth and Esther. One of the four women in the genealogy of Christ in the book of Matthew, Rahab the harlot, Tamar, Ruth, and Bathsheba. So it's a marvelous book. But there's a great theme in this book that is often overseen. Uh, The book's theme is really redemption. It's used 23 times. It's the word redeem, redemption, kinsman, goel in Hebrew. 23 times. Two key themes in the book. Two great truths. Here it is written after the time of the judges before the monarchy begins. And, of course, it describes the family tree of King David, the greatest king Israel ever had. So we have a record here of that genealogical background of this king and would be very practical uh, in the Hebrew mindset. But God said there's a message here I want in Scripture for all time. Then, I think the second lesson that will develop, we just begin it today, but as we come to chapter 2 and chapter 3 and 4, the hero in the story is a man called a kinsman redeemer who is a striking parallel to the great redeemer in Christ Jesus we have. And so we see an Old Testament glimpse. Let me say this, all Scripture Ultimately, points to Christ. It's a Christocentric book, and uh, sometimes us doctrinal preachers don't like to mess with historical books to our own chagrin, as though we know better than God what to say to His people. He wanted to say what He says in the Book of Ruth, and so we want to look at Chapter One, and I see Chapter One in this romance of redemption that we would call the book, The Romance of Redemption, that chapter one to me shouts one great theme, the ruin of the redeemed. The ruin of the redeemed. Now, you could take that two ways. I think, I'm really thinking two ways. The ruin of those outside of Christ that need to be redeemed. Now, the thing with Ruth and uh, with Naomi. They were believers at this time. And so I would say of them, their ruinous condition until they got back and came into touch with a man that had to redeem them. But they were believers. But I would like to, by analogy, also connected to what it's like to be outside of Christ and to be away from God, as seen in chapter 1. And uh, let's uh, just look at scene 1, verses 1 through 5. Uh, they're the ruinous circumstances of a family. The ruinous circumstances of a family. And I, I come up with about uh, seven things that make them ruinous, if you'll look at it. Uh, number one, when in the days when the judges ruled, stop there. Judges is the most deplorable condition of Israel, maybe only parallel to their pre-exile, before God took them into Syria and Babylon. They are backsliding. They uh, trust God. Every time they get in trouble, they cry to God. God, in great mercy, rescues them. They get peace with a benevolent leader, and they'll have that peace for as long as that man's there. He dies. What do they do? They go right back to sin. They go right back. God raises up a judge. In the meantime, uh, he'll clean house a little bit, deliver them from their enemies, goes back. I believe the cycle is about seven to nine times. Repentance, renewal, uh, return to our sin. Back, it reminds me a lot of people, the only time they think of God is when they're in trouble. When their enemies are come. So it's a tumultuous time in which this family is born. Just like being born in 2011. You'll be born in perilous times if you're born in 2011. And so uh, it's a ruinous time. Two, uh, it's a time of famine. And uh, famine is interesting in the land. The land of Israel, God was the owner. Israel was the renter. He said, you can live in my land, stay in my land, as long as you pay the rent. And the rent is, serve me, acknowledge me. And he said in Deuteronomy 28 and 29, if you don't serve me in the land, and if you go to other idols, I will withhold rain, I will bring enemies. And if you read Deuteronomy 28, 29, do not read it before you go to bed. It is atrocious, the curses, that God said he would bring on his people. And so one of the curses coming on them in the time of the judges, I'm going to withhold the rain. Texas is having one of the worst droughts they have had in over a hundred years, while just a few states over, guess what, they're having floods. Did you know God controls whether we get rain or not? God control. You can't vote it in up at uh, Sacramento, California. Will have rain this year because all the uh, the cats that think they're running this country aren't running hardly anything. You can't control tsunamis. Earthquakes, hurricanes, typhoons. You can't keep the Northeast from being drowned up in Vermont. Who's in charge of all of this stuff? Don't you know the country's already bankrupt? We don't have billions of dollars to bail these people out. God's setting up here I control, wind, storm, lightning, and thunder. And he brings a famine to the land. Maybe like he's bringing to the United States. The money's drying up. The weather's eating us up. Where do you turn? What's the famine from? The divine judgment of God is on the land of Israel while they're living there. And so Elimelech, he says, we got to get out of here. And uh, so what does he do? He goes into exile to a Gentile country. One of the great themes of the Bible is man is in exile. Man is has felt like he's not at home ever since he was kicked out of Eden. And every once in a while, a melancholy streak comes over you. Is this the best there is? Is this the way God meant for it to be? Is this the paradise of God? And all of a sudden, everything in you wants to step outside next to uh, the uh, Pacific Ocean, go over to the cliff house, and scream with all your lungs, this is a world under a curse. This is not my true home. This is a world under curse. This is a world that is groaning, that Adam and Eve sinned, and things are dying things are turned upside down, I'm in exile in this world. Because we really are, and we never get home until Revelation 21, and we enter the new Jerusalem. We finally get home. But in the meantime, we're in exile in this world. That's why he says, we judge that we are pilgrims and strangers in this world. This world is not my home. I don't belong here. I am just putting in my time. My body says he's got a better body, a better environment, better politics, better ecology. And it's all coming in my new home. I'm not home yet. I met the owner of the new home. But I'm not there yet. And then... Of all things, they are in exile in Moab. Moab is an ancient enemy of Israel. You know, it's one thing for you to get mad at me, but it's another thing for you to run around with my enemies. It's one thing for you to leave because of famine, but for you to go to Moab. Moab has been fighting them ever since the book of Judges. Do you remember a guy by the name of Balaam? That hired or was hired by Balak, the king of Moab, to put a curse on Israel. Uh, These Moabites are no friend. And this nation, where did Moab come from? Moab is the incestuous son of Lot with his daughters in a cave outside of Sodom. One night, One girl had sex with him. The next night, another girl had sex with him. Both got pregnant in that incestuous cave relationship. One gave birth to Moab. The other gave birth to Ammon, the father of the Ammonites. Not a good people as a whole. In exile in a people that are opposed to God for the most part. Then what else? While we're there, God does another thing that he does. He killed off the family. My husband died. And these boys, even their names, uh, I don't know if you let me give you what the meaning of their name. Malon. This is his name meant sick. And his brother Chileon meant pining. Now you name your children. I mean, just so as we have a new boy, let's name him sick. We've got another boy, Chilion, we're named pining. I mean, from, from the get-go, so the children there, right from birth and conception, right there, they say, these boys are not normal. They're sickly. They're, they're pining from, from birth, but they did reach uh, maturation. They, they were able to marry eventually, but from the get-go, they were sickly in an exiled land out of Israel. But... Naomi's going to return with no husband, no sons, no grandchildren, and two Gentile daughter-in-laws that she couldn't imagine. That I'm stuck with these gals? This is it? She goes back as a widow. And to be a widow in the land, there was no social security. That's not even comforting today. I'd hate to be a widow on Social Security today. I go back with no future. I go back with no one to sustain me. I go back with no grandchildren. I am in a ruinous condition as a family. What is there left to take but Naomi herself? The ruined condition. I look at it. And in my mind, I see such an analogy to the human family in exile to God, living in death, dead while we're alive. You see, you're not living in the land of the living and going. You know, we get say, I'm going to leave the land of the living for the. No, you're living in the land of the dying. You're going to the land of the living. Everything around you is dying. We you know how many funerals we'll do this year, but everybody in this place is dying. And the older you get, you're going to attend a lot more funerals than weddings. You're going to have to get used to it, and the young crowd isn't used to funerals because you think you're going to live forever. You're going to bury your parents, and when you get to be the age of some of us, we're asking, "Will I bury my wife, or will she bury me?" Sin and death and dying has left us in exile. It has ruined the human family. We are in desperately in need of a Redeemer. We are desperately in need of somebody that can rescue us from death, dying, exile, our barrenness, our alienation from God. Scene 2, we pick up in verse 6 to 14. Naomi, in these verses, laments that she cannot help her daughter-in-law's Because she says, I can't give you any more sons to marry. And uh, uh, she puts a blessing on them in verse 8. May the Lord bless you. May he be kind to you, You're wonderful gals. You have been great to me. You were good to your husbands. May the Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Verse 9, to be a young widow was like a curse. I'm praying, may God end your widowhood. But he, she goes on to say, "But I'm too old to fill the bill for you. Don't cling to me. Uh, I, I I have no more children in this womb. Uh, I'm not even I'm widowed. And even if I'm married, and if I should be on the wedding night conceive a child, you'd have to wait for years to get a girls." Your hope, your future cannot be found in me. I can offer you no future. Matter of fact, I'm wondering who's going to feed me. Who's going to take care of me? Because you see, you'll find out that she had to sell her property off to feed herself. And when she goes back to Bethlehem, she has no property. She is stripped of her land that her husband had. She, she's a stripped woman. She's been ruined by her troubles. She's in great pain so much that she renames herself. Don't call me Naomi. I'm a woman that's bitter. I'm a bitter woman. I've had bitter experiences. Calamity has come over my soul and over my family tree. What's your family tree like? Has ruinous things moved in on your family? Sons and daughters in trouble, grandchildren in trouble, your wife died, your wife, your husband divorced you, death on some level, ruinous, no future, no hope, and this country has millions of people that will sit at a bar tonight on an uncomfortable bar stool and drink until they close because their life is in ruin and nobody can give them a future if they don't do that they'll take prescription drugs or they'll take hard drugs or they'll eat potato chips and drink cokes until they weigh 300 pounds because they have nothing to live for sin leaves you ruined stripped she tells him get away get away I have nothing to offer I'm, I'm too old to fulfill you and to give you a future. Then we go to one of the most moving portions. <laughs> uh, when I grew up, verses 15 through 18 was the classic verses used at all weddings. And after you said the vows and everything... Or you would sometime and, and there were songs that would go this way and it would go this way. For where you go, I will go. And, and and this bride and groom are looking at each other, Where you go, I will go. And you get and and where you lodge? I hope I will lodge. No, I will lodge. Your people, including your mother, <laughs> shall be my people. And seldom your God shall be my God. Well, that I mean, here where they're half drunk when they're doing this, it didn't have a lot of meaning. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be married, buried. May the Lord do so to me and more. If anything but death parts. I mean, is this not beautiful? I mean, it it is so magnificent. The strangest thing is, it's a daughter-in-law. Talking to a mother in law. Can you imagine you saying this to your mother in law? Where you lodge, I will lodge. Where you go, I don't want to be. Where you are, I don't want to lodge. Your home, keep it to yourself, is not my home. But this is two widowed women, and this Gentile girl has an overwhelming loyal bond. Uh, I believe that Naomi must have led her to the Lord down there in Moab because the first daughter-in-law, Orpah, she she goes back and Naomi says, go back to your people, go back to your mother's house, go back to your gods. And the god of Moab was Chemos, a terrible god. And she she took it. She went back. But Ruth says... To her mother-in-law, your God is my God. I've met the God of Israel. I've given up the idolatry. I want the God of Abraham. And God's got to let this Gentile girl in. I believe. I'm a proselyte. You've got to let me in. And where you lodge, Naomi, and I know you're a widow... I know you've sold your property. I know you don't offer me anything. And neither do I except a loyal love. Let me tell you this. The greatest thing you can give anybody is a loyal love. That's all Ruth had to offer. And Naomi said, you don't have to go back if you love me that much. And I proposed to my wife. I was broke. I had $300 to my name. I was finishing my second year of Bible college. We were 20 years old. I was already preaching. And I preached for small churches. Churches between 50 to 100 people. Their pastors made $5,000 a year. Her pastor made $5,000 a year. Her dad despised me because he was the son of a preacher And he didn't want his daughter marrying a preacher because he was sick of the poverty they grew up with in the name of ministry. And when I proposed to my wife at 19, no, I was 19, that's when we became engaged, I said to her, Carolyn, we can't afford to get married. I'm still in school. I'm in love with you. I don't want to sleep with you till we're married. I want you to be pure. I want to be pure. And all of our generation was sleeping with everybody. This is the 60s, free love, sex, and drugs. But you know Christ, and so do I. I'd rather be broke and pure than impure and rich. We'll marry, but we'll be broke. That's the only few. And then I said, The only thing I offer you is a loyal love. I will never love another woman enough to sleep with her, to have children with her. I promise you, I'll give you all of me. And she was in love enough to take the gamble. When ruin is all around you, here in the manure pile of the book of Judges, In the manure pile of idolatry, apostasy, backsliding, you get one of the purest depictions of love, and you'll see it between Ruth and Boaz, but it first starts that this Gentile girl had a love that would not let go. And I want to tell you, in the midst of ruinous times, the sweetest thing on this earth is when people love each other.
1: And you're listening to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. As we close out our broadcast today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the program encourages you in Christ and how this program is being used by you on a daily basis. Are we just a normal part of your radio listening? Do You tap into our resources available at our website. Have you visited our church? These are things we would love to hear from you. Take a moment, call or write to us today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. You're also welcome to visit our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Take advantage of the resource materials I mentioned a moment ago. We have several. Again, truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also find information about Valley Bible Church right there as well, who we are, what we believe, worship times, services, and directions to the church. We'd love to have you join us, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Again, that's truthfortodayradio.org. If you're writing to us, our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And then as we conclude our time together today, we would also invite you to partner with us. This radio broadcast and the many resources that accompany it are available as you partner with us, as you link arms with us financially and prayerfully. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. And you can do a one-time gift or make monthly pledges. No matter, we'd love to have you be a partner with us as we continue to minister the gospel of Christ to the Bay Area and beyond. So contact us today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. And you can also donate online at truthfortodayradio.org. That's truthfortodayradio.org. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today.